Good morning. For some of you, the name Donald Driver may be familiar. He played as a wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers for 14 seasons. In fact, he did something that most NFL players don't do these days. He spent his entire career playing for the same team. And he holds the record, several records for the Packers. One of those records is for having the most catches for a wide receiver. Another record that he holds is the most receiving yards. He holds the record for the longest pass reception in a playoff game for the Packers. And he was a multiple-time pro bowler. He helped the Packers win the 2011 Super Bowl. And in downtown Green Bay, located on Donald Driver Way, there is a statue of number 80 catching a pass. He had a great career for the Green Bay Packers. If you don't know him as a football player, some of you may know him as the 2012 champion of Dancing with the Stars. Uh, Not only did he have great footwork on the football field, he had great footwork on the dance floor. I read about him in a recent Guidepost article. He must be a pretty amazing guy. Uh, Besides playing football and being able to dance, after his retirement, he has found success in the area of writing. He has authored three children's books, which are based on the bedtime stories that he used to tell to his own kids as they were growing up. And when, just last fall, he... Uh, came out with his own autobiography, and in less than two weeks, his book entitled Driven had made the New York Times bestsellers list. Quite a guy. Uh, But as you read his story in Guidepost magazine, you find out that Donald Driver has not always been on this pathway of success. Uh, As a young kid, his nickname was Quickie. And he earned that name through his mother. Um, To begin with, she would try to chase him around the house, but she could never catch him. And so that's how he earned that name. But he, he, that name stuck with him. And as he began to get older, he was still known as Quickie for a different reason. And that was because of how fast he could break into a car and get it started with a screwdriver and then off he would go to sell that car to a chop shop for $500. He was doing this at the age of 12, which is amazing. Uh, by his own admission, later in life, he was headed in a very bad direction. He told of the time when he was driving this car. He had, he had stolen this really nice car and was driving it away. The police were after him. And trying to evade them, he... He turned into an alley and he was flying down the alley and a car backed out of a driveway and Donald T-boned the old lady who was driving the car. He got out of that car and, and was going to run and uh, yet his conscience wouldn't let him run until he had first checked on the well-being of the old lady behind the wheel. She was okay, but she was very unhappy with him. She pointed her crooked finger at him and she said to him, You get up there and sit on my porch right now. And to his own amazement, he did what she told him to do. 
He said it was, one, it was just the tone of voice that no kid could disobey. He walked up to her porch and sat on her swing there, and he watched as the policeman showed up, and she told the policeman that the man who was driving the car got out and ran down the alley and ran away. And they looked up onto her front porch and said, who's, who's the kid sitting on your porch? And she claimed him as her grandson. And he watched as the police drove away. And he said that he had then the biggest talking to that he had ever had in his life. This lady gave him a talking to. Her name was Evelyn Johnson. To make a long story short, Evelyn Johnson had no kids of her own, no grandkids of her own. And she took Donald Driver under her wing and mentored him and loved him and taught him about Jesus. And she would not give up on him. And who Donald Driver is today has a whole lot to do with a little old lady in the slums of Houston, Texas named Miss Johnson. She loved him when nobody else would. What a difference love can make in a person's life. The text that we're looking at today, there is love that comes from a very unexpected person. There was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho who fell among thieves, Jesus said. He was, he was beaten, he was stripped of his clothing and his money. They left him thinking that he was going to die. And I'm sure many of you will remember this story quite well. Maybe there's someone here today that's never heard this story at all. It's called the story of the Good Samaritan. It has to be one of the most powerful short stories that has ever been told. Not just by the lips of Jesus, but by anyone. It's found in Luke chapter 10, if you want to turn there and follow along with me. Keep in mind, this story was told on the heels of a question that has been asked of Jesus. A lawyer has come to Jesus and says to him, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The text tells us that the question was being asked Not completely out of sincerity, but rather the fellow who was asking the question is trying to trap Jesus. He's trying to to get Jesus in a corner. And yet Jesus was much smarter than the lawyer who is asking this question. And he did often what he did when, when he was asked a question. Instead of just giving an answer, he returns a question to the one who's asked him a question. The question is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus throws a question back at him. He says, what is written in the law? What does it say? What does it read? In verse 27 of chapter 10 of Luke, the lawyer shares his knowledge of the law. He shows that that he has some understanding. He's got some ability to, to look into what Moses has written in the Old Testament law. And he's able to prioritize some of these things that Moses has said. So as Jesus has said, what does the law say? The lawyer returns the question or the answer by saying this, you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul and all of your strength and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
And Jesus commended him for his answer. He said, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Well, the lawyer felt some conviction at this point. He knew exactly what Jesus was getting at. According to Mark Moore, in his his commentary on the life of Christ, he says that Jesus was saying this, your answer is excellent, but your behavior needs some improvement. In other words, Jesus was saying to the lawyer, your behavior isn't measuring up to your answer. Isn't that true? When a person feels conviction, he's going to do one of two things. Either he's going to humble himself and repent before God, or he's going to rebel against the conviction. And in this case, the lawyer was very uncomfortable with his conviction. And so he tries to justify himself. Let me read to you what Mark Moore has written about this particular lawyer. He says, instead of repenting, he does what any good hypocrite would do. He tries to justify himself. But the only way to justify himself or oneself is to diminish the demands of the law. Since we can't live up to the law, we must cut it down to our size. If we rationalize, justify, modify, or explain away the demands of the law, then maybe we have a chance. If I can just narrow the field enough, then I can claim to love my neighbor. This question, who is my neighbor, is designed to do just that. The power of this parable is that it explodes the parameters of neighborness far beyond what this lawyer or most of us would ever imagine. I want want to dissect this story for us just a few moments. First of all, there was a man who was in dire need. He was beat up. He's been robbed. He has been left for dead. He needs for somebody to help him. Do Do you know anybody like that? Do you know any young Donald drivers that you could be an Evelyn Johnson to? There are people hurting all around us if we will just open our eyes and see. Maybe it's somebody who is sick and they need for you to be an encouragement to them, just to speak a kind word to them, to be a help to them. And really it can be just a little thing, and a little thing can go so very far. It doesn't have to be something big. It can be just a spoken word. It can be a a bowl of soup to someone who is sick. And that very little thing can mean so much to them. Maybe it can be just a phone call. To check on them, to see how they're doing. Maybe a personal visit to just pray with them. I visited John Hermrick in the hospital a couple of times recently. I don't know if any of you would know John. He's usually right here in our second service. He sits sometimes on the front row, sometimes on the second row. But John had a he he had a major accident here recently. I mean, he is a walking miracle among us. I want to tell you what happened to John. He's a carpenter. A couple of Fridays ago, he was working on a roof out at the lake, and he was leaning against a board, hammering, 
out near the soffit. So he was leaning out, hammering against the board, and the board gave way, and he went down 25 feet head first. And he survived. It was a miracle. He was saying to me later that that morning, uh, as he had been working on the roof, somebody had been driving a tractor, doing some dirt work there around the house, and uh, just minutes before he fell, this person had gotten off of the tractor and had coincidentally, coincidentally, parked the tractor right underneath where he fell. And so when he went off of the roof, head first, down 25 feet, he landed on the tractor. Well, it doesn't sound like too good of a spot to land to me, but I guess it's better than landing on the ground itself. And he survived it. He got a major shoulder separation out of this fall. He's going to have to have surgery, a slight concussion, a bruised lung, but he's alive. He should have been dead. And he knows that God saved him, spared his life, and he's giving God the praise for that. And my stopping by a couple of different times to see him in the hospital, it was just a small thing. But it lifted his spirits. I could tell that he was encouraged over that. Didn't take me much time. Didn't take me much effort at all. Just just a little bit of time and effort, and you have somebody who is greatly encouraged. And my point to you is, there are people all around you who are hurting, and and you can be one who lifts them up. And it doesn't take something big, it just takes a little bit of your time and effort and your willingness to be used of God. There are people out there who have needs in their life. God wants to use you to help them. Maybe it's someone who is financially strapped and and they need for somebody to come alongside of them. Maybe it's someone who is lonely and they need for someone to just care about them and talk to them. Last Sunday before I left the building from having the services in the morning, uh, I'd gotten a phone call that that Katricia Bradbury and her family, their house was on fire. And and, uh, so I went by and and a couple of the other staff guys went by and we were there with them just being there and showing them that we care and praying with them and loving on them. And, And this is a family that needs several somebodies from our church family to come alongside of them and help them through this crisis. I spoke with Katricia earlier this morning. I said, I'm I'd like to say something this morning about you know what's going on in your life and just encourage the church family to come alongside of you. And she said, you know, we need more than anything just the family to pray for us. And they do need prayers. But let's not just stop with our prayers. Let's come alongside of them and help them through this crisis. They are a part of our family. And this is an opportunity for us to, to show them love. We need to have our eyes open. God will use us in spreading His love around if we're willing to be used. Tim, this last week, as we were talking about the the topic for today, uh, being love and and the Good Samaritan, he said, you know, this, this week to come is actually random act of kindness week. 
What a great opportunity for us to put some action into, into what we're being challenged with today from the Word of God. Look for people all through this week that you can show acts of kindness to and be sure that you do it in the name of Jesus and to His glory. Don't do these acts of kindness so that, that people will look at you and pat you on the back and say, what a, what a good person you are. Rather, do these acts of kindness in such a way that He gets the glory. Now, if you're familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan, you'll know that there were there were some people who saw the man who was in need and they passed by on the other side. Let me read to you about those two people. A priest and a Levite. Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 31. And by chance a priest was going down on that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. It's interesting to me how just one little word can make a difference in the entire text. The word that I'm thinking of, actually, I'm thinking of two words. The words going down. We see them here in the text. Now you say... You know, what are you talking about, Kevin? What, what difference do those words mean? That means these two people, the priest and the Levite, they had their backs to Jerusalem. There is a 2,500-foot drop from, Jer- from Jerusalem to Jericho. And so these two fellows, the priest and the Levite, both of them religious fellows, they have already been at Jerusalem. They have taken care of their priestly duties. And now they are going home, back to Jericho. They're going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now I'll tell you, for for a long time, I used to think this way in my mind as I read through this story because I wasn't focusing on those two little words going down. I was thinking, you know, their excuse probably was that they had things to do at the temple. They're going to the temple, they're going to pray, and they're going to do their priestly duties, and and they didn't want to get their hands dirty, and they didn't want to be defiled, otherwise they couldn't do their priestly duties. But as you see closer what the text is saying, they're going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, they've already been to the temple and done their priestly duties, and they're going home. Why couldn't they stop? And help this man who was in need. The priest is the one who comes along first. And the text leaves no room for doubt. The priest did see him. But he passed by on the other side. And you almost get the idea as you read the text. That he gets as far away from this fellow as what the road allows him to. Why? I don't know. I suppose he's... Not wanting to get himself dirty. He, he doesn't want to get his hands dirty. He doesn't want to get his tunic bloody. He didn't want to be defiled. He, he doesn't want to concern himself with this man's needs. I'm sure in his own mind he had a reasonable excuse. He's busy. He needed to tend to his schedule. And so his schedule did not include 
caring for this injured man. And a Levite comes along, another religious man. And the text seems to indicate that the Levite takes an even closer look than what the priest does. It says that he came alongside, he looked, and then he passed by on the other side. He, he doesn't want anything to do with this man who is in need. And we might ask the question, how could God's people act this way? Well, before we point the finger of judgment at them, maybe we better look in the mirror and make sure that we're not doing the same thing as what they did. And sad to say, I think sometimes we are. And to make it even more personal, sometimes I am. You know, I need to look at what I'm doing, not what you're doing. I need to look at what I'm doing. And I'm saying, I am like that. The Lord prompts me to call someone who, who I know is going through a, a tough time in their life, and three or four days later, or sometimes three or four weeks later, He's still nudging me, He's still prompting me, because I haven't listened to Him. I haven't acted on His prompting. I haven't done it yet. And unfortunately, for me, there's too many such examples of where I, too, have passed by on the other side. You know what I'm saying? Is that true for you sometimes? Or maybe, you're, maybe that's not true for you. But I imagine maybe it is true for you too. You know what I have found though? When I finally act on his prompting... I feel so much better. It, it just feels good. He's pleased that, that I finally obeyed Him and probably the person that I've reached out to, they're encouraged as well. It's just a good thing when we act on the prompting of God in our life. Let's talk for a moment about the Good Samaritan. He's the one that, that we want to be like, that in this story. Let me read to you verses 33 through 35. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out 200 Denari, or to, took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. He went the extra mile, didn't he? And keep in mind, he was the least expected of the three to act in such a way. If the injured man could have guessed who would have acted like a neighbor to him, who would have helped him? I am confident that the Samaritan out of these three would have been the last on the list. Who do you think will help you? I'm sure he would have said, well, I'm confident that either the priest or the Levite will help me, but not that Samaritan. And the reason he would have thought that would have been because the Samaritan was his enemy. 
The Samaritan surely would have been the one to pass by on the other side because you see the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. There was a deep-seated prejudice between the Jews and the Samaritans. It had been going on for somewhere between five and six hundred years. We're talking a very deep, deep prejudice between these two groups of people. Let me, let me just quote to you. These, these things have been found by archaeologists, things that the, the Jewish rabbis were saying about the Samaritans to their listeners. They, one, one thing they said was this, Let no man eat the bread of the Samaritans, for he who eats their bread is as he who eats swine's flesh. Then they would actually pray this prayer. Lord, do not remember the Samaritans in the resurrection. The Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. And the Samaritans hated the Jews just as much as the Jews hated the Samaritans. So for Jesus in his story to have the Samaritan be the one to stop and help this injured man, it was a shock. And it was an eye-opening lesson. And the lesson was simply this. My neighbor is anyone who has a need. Would you say that with me? My neighbor is anyone who has a need. And it doesn't matter what their skin color is. It doesn't matter what their economic bracket is or their, their, their uh, national allegiance or, or their, their educational status. It doesn't matter any of these kinds of barriers. What matters is if my neighbor has a need, then I am to reach out and show love to him. And we do that in the name of Jesus. The Samaritan felt compassion, the text said. You understand what that word means? This is the one word, you've heard me say this before, this is the one word that describes Jesus more than any other word in the Gospels. And Jesus uses this word to describe the good Samaritan. It means that he felt the man's need in the pit of his stomach. But it wasn't just pity for the man. It was love backed up with action. He didn't just say to the fellow laying on the side of the road, God bless you, I'll pray for you, I hope you get better. No, it was much more than words. He was moved by what he saw, he, he sensed a man who was in need and he reached down and he helped him. He stopped. He took time out of his busy schedule. He was willing to get his hands dirty. He cleaned the man up. He bandaged his wounds and put him on his own donkey. He took him to the nearest inn. He spent the night with him, the entire night, giving care to him. He paid the innkeeper for the night's stay. And then he says, here's a couple of more denarii, a couple of more of day's wages. And if this doesn't cover the cost of the, of the rest of the time that he needs to stay here. When I come back, I'll take care of the bill.
He was merciful to him. He met his needs. And I I dare say we need more of that kind of mercy in the Lord's church. We need more people who will be a neighbor to their hurting friends. And not just to their friends, but to anyone that they meet. And so my question to you is, will you be a good Samaritan to someone this week? Will you look for someone to show an, a random act of kindness to? But not just during this week of random act of kindness week, but will you choose to live the life of a good Samaritan? What a difference this, this would make in the church if, if the world could see us being committed to this kind of love. If there were more of us who were willing to be like Evelyn Johnson, maybe we could have more Donald Driver kind of stories to tell. And Jesus has finished telling his story to this lawyer, and he says to him, which of the three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? Well, the answer was obvious. The lawyer could only answer in this way, the one who showed mercy to him. He, that's, that's the neighbor. And Jesus said, then you go and do likewise. Let's pray together. Would you, as you bow your head in prayer, would you simply pray to God that he would help you be a good Samaritan to someone this week? And that he would help you live the life of a good Samaritan. God, I thank you for your great love to us. For really, we, we have been that person on the side of the road hurt beaten up dying in our sin and Jesus the good Samaritan has stopped and rescued us so Lord would you help us be that good Samaritan to other people and may you be honored through our love to our neighbor Thank you.